A warm welcome in the name of Jesus Christ and on behalf of the congregation of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, Kingston. For over 200 years, a people have been gathering at the beginning of each week to acknowledge the presence of God, to hear more about the promises of God, and to go from that time together in care of neighbor. And so we gather this morning at the beginning of a new week of grace, and all I can say is, welcome. This morning, as is the custom of this congregation, on the first Sunday of each month, we will also be celebrating the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We celebrate this, and we will do so together. So I invite you, if you wish, to pause now to perhaps collect some bread and a cup, maybe even light a candle, and then we shall continue together. As the psalmist says, so do we. I love the Lord because the Lord has heard my voice and my cries. Gracious is the Lord and merciful are, is our God. I walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I kept my faith even when I said I am greatly afflicted. What shall I return to the Lord for all the Lord's bounty unto me? I will lift up the cup of salvation, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. Let us do so now in praise and in song. immediately following the death and resurrection of our Lord, there were Christians in a city of the empire called Philippi. The Christians of Philippi, they were troubled, troubled by persecution without and conflict within. And to them the Apostle Paul wrote. He wrote a letter, warm and sincere. They're in need of guidance and he provides it. He provides it and he does so from his own experience. 
he writes, he invites them to look as does he to the Lord Jesus Christ, to focus upon him and his life, his life and his way through this world, a way that God can bless and that God can use. So now a passage of Paul's letter to the Christians of Philippi, the second chapter I invite Christina to lead us in this reading. Let us prepare ourselves in prayer to hear God's word. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of knowledge and truth. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 to 13. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love and sharing in the Spirit, any, compa um, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Amen, and thanks be to God for this reading of God's holy word. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found now acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our focus this hour will be upon the sacrament of Holy Communion, but as I prepared for this morning, I thought of Lorna Rice. Lorna no longer served actively as an elder in her congregation in Ottawa, but despite her age and infirmity, she continued to help prepare the bread and the wine for the quarterly communion services of her congregation. I came to know Lorna as a strong character and as a strong Christian. Her husband and her had had no children, but after her husband died, she decided to fill that home with a family, a family that had fled Vietnam in the 1970s, a large family. And there they found a home in this new land and a new beginning. And when that family grew and grew into security sufficient for their own home and the children grew through school and university into professions of their own, they continued to embrace Lorna, beloved and honored. But one th story that I remember best from Lorna occurred decades even before the 1970s, during the dark days of World War II. She and her husband were both at work in the federal government with positions of responsibility, and they often found their lives exhausted and thin. But in the end, they realized that each weekend it would be good to set aside time with another couple in their home, each with their own musical instrument. They formed a quartet, and they survived those days, those years, by creating music together, bringing forward a heritage of beauty and of truth, and in fact, bringing it forward and creating something new in that time and place. It was an oasis for the soul, she said, that allowed them to return to their positions of responsibility, renewed in their humanity, to work for good. Well, now it is a war not on another continent that overwhelms. But it is an evil exposed, it is an evil confronted, much closer to home. It's been a week when systemic injustice has been made manifest, when racism has been exposed, when anger has been uncorked. It's been a time of darkness for the soul. A time when we ask, where is it all going? Where are we going? And so now we gather in spirit, not as an escape or a retreat, but as a caravan across a desert stops at an oasis where water might be found so the journey might continue. Now we gather along this pilgrimage known as life to pause, to gather and know renewal, a renewal from which we might take up 
our journey and our witness as Christians in this world. We gather before God. In the church here, this Sunday is known as Trinity Sunday. And this year I found a particular relevance to this Sunday by being introduced to the work of an artist from India by the name of A.J. Thamburaj, a Jesuit priest and artist. And the work is entitled, The Holy Trinity. On the left, you can see an upraised hand. In Indian art and culture, an upraised hand is a symbol of protection. Here it represents God the Father. The green with which it is colored is the symbol of creativity, of fertility, pointing to God the Creator. And you see a fish drawn in the lines of the palm of that hand, reminding us of the ever-watching eye of God, because the eyes of the fish, of course, never close. On the right, there is another hand. It is a downward hand, representing Jesus the Christ. Blue is the color of sea and sky, symbols of mystery and eternity. At the center of this hand, we see a wound, a wound that is part of that mystery. The mystery of the Holy One that would condescend to live among us as one of us and experience the fullness of our journey, even through rejection, betrayal, and death for us and our salvation. And in between these two hands, the bond between the Father and the Son, between the Holy One and humanity, we see the Spirit. The red color represents the fire that anoints with the commission to share good news. The fire that warms the cold-hearted and raises up the dispirited. And in the palm of this image, a spiral, indicating the wind that blows where it wills to inspire, disrupt, and massage. Fire and wind. These are the ancient symbols of power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy One among us now. Power has been much before us and much on my mind and heart this week. China moving to deprive the people of Hong Kong of their rightful independence. The government of Israel announcing an impending annexation of the land of the Palestinian people against all international law. And closer to home, closest to home, in response not just to the knee of a white police officer on the neck of a black man unto death in public, but also in response to a real and lived injustice of racism of many for long. In response to all this, I heard a call, a call to dominate the streets, a call to dominate by force people gathering in protest. It was when a crowd, including religious leaders, 
was forcibly dispersed by chemical gases so that one of power might stand in front of a church with a Bible in his hand for a photo opportunity. It was then that grief and anger overwhelmed me. And I was reminded how easily religion can be misused and manipulated and how we need ever to be vigilant that we be true to our faith and to our God. This week I was reminded that as Christians, when we talk about power, power in our lives, it is always the power of the Holy One that's given to us by Holy Spirit. And the power that is given to us by Holy Spirit has always been defined by the life known of Jesus the Christ. What we've seen in Jesus is the opposite of observing from afar or commanding at a distance. The power we've seen in Jesus is the opposite of domination. In Jesus, we have seen power defined as descending from a heavenly throne, accompanying a suffering humanity, even sacrificing of one's own for the good of others. As followers of Jesus, we are called to take up the mind and heart and, yes, power of Jesus as defined by the trajectory of the life of Jesus. This was Paul's message to the first Christians in that city of Philippi. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, and became obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. The famous Swiss Christian psychologist Carl Jung was fond of telling the story of a Jewish rabbi who once was asked, why did God show God's self to God's people so often in ancient times? But today, no one sees God. And the rabbi, the wise rabbi, responded, Well, the reason is because now no one bows down low enough to see God. Why would God descend so low? To be with the suffering ones. Where the suffering ones are, there is God. And there are God's people called to be. I hear God's people, I hear Christians called not to judge from a safe distance the actions of others, not to judge from a position of privilege or security, but rather to hear the voice of others crying out for help, 
to hear and to listen and to learn of their experience of injustice and of evil and to walk with them and to walk with them pledging ourselves to not only accompany them but to act for them. In Christ we have seen power defined and it's the power to live with humility to live with humility with those who are hurting and to stand up with them in their time of need for change, even if it comes at our cost. The streets have been emptied by a global pandemic and by economic depression. The cities have been filled with anger and nations have been divided within and with each other. And I am hearing folks talk about these times being so unsettled that they ask, they use a word, apocalyptic. Is the end of the world upon us? But the Greek word apocalypse from the Bible means an uncovering, a revelation. Yes, there has been a revelation. During the pandemic, it's been revealed how ill-supported have been those who labor in long-term care facilities and abattoirs. During this protest, it's been revealed stories, stories at every turn of so many people, of discrimination experienced, of pain suffered by people of color here in Canada, in the city of Kingston, even people of this congregation. But in scripture, apocalypse is a revelation that it reveals good as well as evil. A revelation that inaugurates a new and better order in which justice triumphs over injustice and good over evil and ways of life over ways of death. As Christians, we hold to one revelation above all others, the apocalypse we have seen in Jesus the Christ, in his life, in his way of living, in his death, in his resurrection. What we've seen in the earthly life of Jesus, what we know of him with us now by Holy Spirit in scripture and in sacrament, this Jesus is the apocalypse that we focus upon. In him we experience a renewal as at an oasis of life-giving water. And with him, and with the power received from him, we go forth with the Holy Spirit to take up his humble, hope-filled way, continuing our journey towards the kingdom of God, God's kingdom of peace and justice for all. Thanks be to God. Amen.
As we approach this time of sacrament, I invite you to join with me in together repeating words common to every branch of the Church of Christ, words with which we state our Christian faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. To all who truly and earnestly repent of their sin, who intend to walk in the holy ways of the Holy God, to you I say, come, draw near with reverence, with faith, and with thanksgiving, and take this supper of our Lord to your comfort. Come to this holy table not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but that rather you sincerely love the Lord a little and yearn to love him more. Come not because you are strong, but because in frailty and in sin you stand in need of heaven's help. Come not to express an opinion, but rather to seek and find a presence. I say come. The supper of our Lord is now spread before us. Let us lift up our minds and our hearts above all selfish fears and cares. And let us allow this bread and this cup to become now to us the outward and visible symbols of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Let us continue with a prayer of thanksgiving. Let us pray. O Lord, we lift up to you our hearts in glad thanksgiving. We join our voices with your people of every age and nation, and together we lift up that song, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. We thank you, Lord God Almighty, that you hold this world in your hands from beginning to end, that you know each of us by name. It's you that's created us and called us into this life. You have given us breath and blood, thoughts of mind and passions of heart, all that we might know you and be one with you, your people here on earth. In many and various ways, you spoke to our parents of old, by prophets, priests, and kings. But in these last days, you've spoken to us by a son, he whom we acknowledge now as our only prophet, priest, and king. 
And so we give you thanks for this living remembrance set before us now of how in him our flesh was assumed and yes, broken, but also raised and transfigured and healed. And here we proclaim with all your people that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And so we pray now for Holy Spirit, that the bread which we break may be our communion in the body of Christ, and the cup that we bless may be our communion in the blood of Christ. We pray for Holy Spirit, O God, not only upon this bread and this cup, but that we might become your people, that the risen Lord might live in us and that we might live in him, that here at this table we might be reconciled to you and to each other, that here barriers might be broken down between young and old, woman and man, wealthy and poor. And we pray, O God, for Holy Spirit, not only upon us, but upon all, that this earth so dear to us might be given a new face, that swords even now raised might be beaten into plows, that wars and violence be banished, that gardens be planted and old wastelands renewed, that this broken world might be rebuilt by hands like ours under the roof that is Christ. We pray for Holy Spirit, O God, that your kingdom might come. O God, with these our prayers, we present ourselves living sacrifices dedicated for your service. We do so in the name of Jesus Christ, and we do so together, joining in the prayer he taught us to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so we remember. We remember how, on the night in which he was betrayed, the night before he died for us, our Lord took bread. And after giving thanks to his Father above, he broke it. And he passed it to his friends. And he said, take this and eat this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, we remember how at the conclusion of the meal, he took the cup. And again, he gave thanks to his father above, and again, he passed it to his friends. He said, take this and drink of this, all of you, for the forgiveness of sin. This is the new covenant poured out in my blood. Do this 
in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul reminds us that as oft as we eat this bread and take this cup, we remember the Lord's death till he come again. In other words, our Lord lives, and in him we live. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. bread of heaven. cup of salvation. Let us pray. Holy One, long have you sought us, and mercifully have you redeemed us. This we acknowledge, this we celebrate, and now this we pledge, that our thanksgiving to you should now be our lives, that we shall go from here now not only to acknowledge you with our lips, but in our thoughts, in our hearts, and yes, in our cities and in our nations. O Lord, we bear the name of your Son. We take with us your power known through the Holy Spirit. Lord God, we thank you for this high calling and this great opportunity, life abundant, and life overflowing to be shared in this your world. In Jesus' name, amen.
And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace this day and your every day. Amen.